0: You're listening to Tech Talk Central.
1: Within the scope of the eHealth Forum held in Athens between 3rd and 4th of December 2015, we asked a few prominent eHealth stakeholders on policies and strategies regarding interoperability frameworks, national health strategies, and the digital single market, amongst other things. George Crooks, Medical Director for NHS 24, Karima Boukoua, Director of Interoperability at EHE Europe, and Marcello Melgara, responsible for international e-health projects, responded to a question. how the Digital Single Market Strategy has raised questions about its impact on US, EU trade and investment, especially with respect to cross-border data flows, data protection standards, development and competition. These questions arise as both the United States and the EU strive to negotiate the new transatlantic trade and investment partnership known as TTIP. Considering the EU has limited powers regarding the organisation of member states' health systems and can only recommend actions, what immediate actions would willing states and or companies take in order to be competitive?
0: The interesting thing about Europe is it doesn't realise how good it actually is. (laughs) Scotland is a small nation. We're a nation of 5.3 million. And we're looking to attract global technology companies to come and invest in Scotland um, to work with us, to innovate, to learn uh, about what health and care systems and citizens expect uh, of technology solutions going forward. But to be brutally honest, um, cornering the health market in Scotland isn't going to make a global technology company <laughs> Very rich. And I think it would be the same in Greece and a lot of the member states in the EU. Mm -hmm. However, getting access to one or two regions in Europe through collaborative networks that exist across the whole of Europe now can give access to the whole European market. That becomes attractive. So what it's important to do is to recognize that the old days are past And what I mean by that is in the old days, doctors in particular felt they not only had to own the problem, they had to devise the solution at the same time. That was very expensive. It was very wasteful. uh, And often it was not a success. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What we need to do now is we need to collaborate. We need to share learning. We need to share with each other what goes well and what goes wrong. And in Europe, we're getting better at doing that. And the more open and collaborative we come, the more attractive Europe is going to be to attract investment, particularly from global technology companies. But it's not simply about global technology companies. It's really about our small and medium sized enterprises, because through these collaborations and associations, they can grow and develop. That's where the real powerhouse and engine room for economic development and growth is across Europe. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure they play into the system because unlike the global giants, the SMEs can be fleet of foot. They can do things quickly. They can change. They can modify. They can adapt. And that's what a dynamic health and care system needs as it goes through rapid cycles of improvement to modify, change, design, and come up with a solution that's worthwhile and going to work. So for me, it's about everyone playing to our strengths. It's about regions and member states recognizing what they can contribute and not being protectionist, but to collaborate. It's about making sure that industry is part of the solution, not regarded as the troublemaker off to the side to be mistrusted. <laughs> and academics have a large part to play in that too. So we need to build an environment that is safe for all these different components together, come together to have conversations, to build the solutions that our citizens expect for the future of Europe.
2: Of course, for this digital single market, we need key drivers and also uh, what we called one direction for the companies they, they need to to, have, to be confident of what we, the Europe, the Europe can propose in this way. So an, an interoperability framework is a really a key driver uh, for, uh, for uh, companies to develop uh, their own uh, products. And uh, in, in terms of interoperability, for example, the value of the company are what they are developing the future the ergonomy of their product. Interoperability is a support, so now we have this interoperability framework, so they have uh, i would say all the infrastructure in, in technical also uh, more or less semantic. It is also some kind of obstacle today in Europe uh, to to harmonise uh, uh, to harmonise the semantic aspect. But also the legal aspect. Uh, we we need uh, and security is also what it is needed at the European level for, to develop this uh, single market. Of course, countries are responsible of what happened in their country uh, in e-health. Uh, so. <laughs> it's what we try to do in interoperability is to have something recommendation interoperability framework at the european level that can be reused at the national level to customize uh, for their own needs for their own regulation what is the best is not saying that uh, we need absolutely to have the same things but to find a way to have uh, a nice bridge uh, and uh, that can uh, be used by the two parts of the Atlantic. It means uh, the guidelines to, uh, to localize, I would say, or to find the, the mapping uh, between the two parts. uh, For example, if I give the the interoperability uh, framework, we are not very far from one to the other, uh, because we are using the same uh, standards, we are using the same profiles, uh, because they are developed at the international level, and customized at the regional level. So I think it's also the best way to, to start.
3: So, the point is, as you know, there is this U- U.S. Memorandum of Understanding for Interoperability. On the basis of that, the Trillion Bridge Project was uh, run and very successfully concluded. Uh, however, uh, in the MOU, U- U- US, some elements were removed at a certain point that are mainly those related to the legal aspect. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the main uh, the technical one. So, uh, from a theoretical point of view, we are we demonstrated the feasibility of interchanging, for example, patient summaries uh, between EU and US, adding the US node as a, a national contact point. Uh, in the European network so we could establish this sort of uh, interoperability. Uh, On the other side, the business market and the the legal part, I would say that of course uh, a a need was demonstrated. Uh, Of course, uh, uh, the need for a, a legislation that put together Different approaches in the United States and in Europe could take quite long. From a market point of view, uh, what was uh, uh, perceived was that there is, anyway, a potential market for the cross border. Okay. Uh, hopefully. Uh, through the uh, application of the cross-border directive, the member states are following a policy that is uh, quite uniform among them as per cross-border parties, so the one that can be relevant for the United States. Of course, uh, every single side uh, uh, keeps its own internal rule and procedure Mainly for payment and reimbursement. So, mm-hmm. in conclusion, from an ICT point of view, the market remains still very limited. From a clinical point of view, considering the tourists, the businessman traveling from you to US and vice versa there is a potential market factor uh, discussing with Casa Permanente that was one of the partners of Trillion, There was a strong uh, common understanding and uh, possibility for market. However, as far as the reimbursement are concerned, this should be taken as a matter for assessment, because, you know, again, back to the cross-border directive, a way of reimbursement and paying among the European countries has been established. Mm-hmm. The same uh, generalized rule toward United States are not included in the EU-US memorandum of understanding. So a uh, member state by entity uh, based uh, reimbursement criteria has to be established and for sure even in Europe we have public and private health insurer. And maybe the private insurer in the United States may have a very easier way of discussing and making deal with the private healthcare insurer in Europe. On the other side, at the government the government base, maybe something can be done with the new. Uh, Mr. Obama, a uh, law for health for, uh, for the poor mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that can be somehow linked to the European side. However, on that side, uh, maybe that is applied internally in the United States, but it does not apply to the cross-border transatlantic. So, in conclusion, uh, yes, when I was in Boston making this presentation, I said, yes, there is a room. In order to have a room, we have to go toward common understanding, where common understanding means aligning workforce's uh, training, aligning uh, the legal procedure, aligning the market strategy, Aligning and this is the easiest part. Aligning the interoperability technical standard, so we can exchange document through uh, IHE and uh, profile. Yes, we did. We can exchange document uh, according to the HL7. Uh, yes, we almost did. Mm-hmm. What we are doing now in standard, for example, and HL7 as a whole, and uh, together with IHE. Go for the international patient summary that is a sort of common uh, clinical document adopted on both sides of the ocean. So, inter- and international patient summary is also one of the topic of the next call, Horizon 2020, for the extension of this U- U.S. interoperability. So maybe some of the questions that are included in this question can, are in scope for this new project that should start uh, more or less next year.
2: You're listening to Tech Talk Central.